You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. All right, this is the one. I can feel it. Podcast, 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 podcast. The first and the best Chiefs podcast. Real ones know the show is called Amateur Hour. The Amateur Hour podcast is now airing on KC Sports Network. Ryan Scott Hall and his Dirkness are back again. We've got football, friendship, and fun. All these shows, we're still number one, season 12. Oh, wow, here it comes. Welcome, my friends, to Emma Amateur Hour Podcast. Podcast. Man, I can't hit that note right. Podcast! Is that right? Ah, well. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, Amateur Hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's happening. That's right, folks. The show's called Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall, and joining me today, thanks to a newly adjusted contract with many lucrative incentives, is Darkness. Sup? Those cats, bros. They're coming through for me. Coming through. I, I, they're supposed to be seated right next to me. They're just off camera. You can't quite see them, but they're sitting on both sides of me right here. Do you have them spread out a little bit because they're smelly cats? They are a little smelly, uh, but we don't have to discuss that. They're right here. Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, Dirk, the Yo. Chiefs got their first win on Sunday, 17-9 to over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hey. After a two-game sample, buddy, I got to ask, what's more important? The offense sputtering or the defense dominating? Oh, uh. This is 69,420% the defense. This is a much more important story, a much more important development for this team. Um, Look, we know, we know the Chiefs will have a top five offense come season's end. They may look rusty right now. They may be figuring out the wide receiver room. The running game may look like a mess, but they have Patrick Mahomes, and they have Andy Reid, and they have Travis Kelsey. So the offense is going to figure out. As long as those three guys are around, the offense is going to figure out. The defense coming into the season, I mean, they could have been anywhere from, I mean, you'll probably scoff at this, but bottom five defense in the league to maybe a top 10 defense, maybe a top five defense. I mean, I wouldn't have gone that, I wouldn't have gone that high as a ceiling. I might go that high right now. Um, but the defense is forever the question mark with this team. I mean, there's no, I mean, look at the history of the Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid led offenses. They're going to get there unless you're absolutely freaking out about, and you think Juju Smith Schuster and McCole Harbin make all the difference. And this offense just won't figure it out because they lost those two pieces. And and you think the offense is going to continue these struggles that they're going to be fine. So if they couple that with a defense, with how they've looked so far, like, if you're telling me the defense is going to play at this level, I am telling you that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl this year. That That is where I'm at right now. 
I mean, they've certainly been impressive. Uh, no touchdowns allowed to the Jags on Sunday, despite the Jags getting into the red zone on three separate occasions um, and only allowing 14 points uh, to a really explosive offense in Detroit um, on that opening night game. The, the defense has come out swinging, man. And what's interesting to me is that I look at this team and especially that first week against Detroit, even though they had all the time to prepare to play without their best player and the guy that the defense has really built around, I still thought that like you could make an argument that there isn't like a great player on that defense apart from Chris Jones. You know, I I, I started thinking almost a little bit like, um, you know, when Todd Haley talked about how he wanted like 53 Lance Longs, I'm, I'm looking at the defense and I'm thinking like, we basically have like, like 10, who's the, who's the right guy? I don't know. I want to see in Daniel Sorensen's or something. Um, you know, but it's, it's like, there's just guys that like, we don't really know how good they are right now or how good they're going to be long-term, especially because so many of them are young players, but I, it's almost like, you know, they, you, you have that, um, like is the sum or is the whole greater than the sum of the parts and I look at all of these guys individually and I start to ask myself, like, is there anybody on this defense that I don't like? Like, what's who's the short list of guys that I think might be a problem? And and I it's it, it is, I said short list, it's a really, really short list. And I I I don't know how to not just like like speak so glowingly. Like I'm just like a proud dad over here because I look at them and particularly the young guys. If you focus it in on like especially all these second year players, but even Nick Bolton, um, kind of leading the way on that defensive side of the ball. You've got all these different contributors at so many different positions, and I just I I, I say to myself. There is no ceiling for what that defense can do this year because they're playing so well out of the gate. And the MO on the Spags defense is that they get better as the season goes along. And arguably, the biggest free agent addition that, you know, I don't even think it's an argument, uh, the biggest free agent addition that the Chiefs made in the offseason is still yet to join them on defense due to his suspension. And I'm just looking like, man, when it starts to get cold, that defense is going to stifle a lot of really good teams and provided the offense figures it out, they're going to be extremely dangerous. As you said, I mean, you, you said they, they will win the Super Bowl. Yeah. As, as the commenter said, they hopped in. If, if the chiefs have a top 10 defense with Patrick Mahomes, they're going to win the Super Bowl. And I don't disagree. Look, the formula for this team has been very clear. They've had the league's best offense and a defense right in the middle of the league. That's, that's the formula for them winning a championship. I don't think they've ever crossed the, uh, threshold of being a top 10 defense since Mahomes has been here like I I sat back there on Sunday and trusted the defense I trusted them it was a one score game against a really good offense in their home stadium and I sat back and I trusted the team and I and I see the offense struggling and I'm like that's fine don't make any mistakes Uh, they did in the first half obviously but down the stretch you know keep this clean punting it away I'm, I'm fine because I trust this defense I, when was the last time you could say that about this defense? Like, I, I I think you'd have to go back to, like, 2015. You're you're looking at Sean Smith, Defensive Player of the Year era for the last time that you could say you trusted this defense. 
I mean, it's it hasn't been in the Mahomes era, has it? Um, I mean, I think that we probably reached a point, uh, maybe just in 2019, where they were making big plays in big moments. And I felt like I could say, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, like, go make a play in crunch time. And you see, you know, you think about like those videos after the fact, and maybe that's just what I'm remembering, you know, but I, I see Frank, I like it like this. Like, this is what we want. Give the, put the pressure on the defense and we will come out and show you what we can do. And the defense really came through for them in the end that season. And we were sold this bill of goods. Like you are supposed to trust them. And wasn't Andy doing that all year? Like throughout that season, it's like, I'm going to give the defense a chance to win here. I'm going to kick a field goal. I'm going to go conservative. I'm always going to take the points. And ultimately it paid off in the end. And, and I, I think I hated those decisions every single time because I don't want to take away from the defenses of of the past. You know, they they sure. did came through, especially in some huge playoff games. So I don't, I'm not trying to take away from them. Yeah. But during those games, I sat there and I was like, we have to score more points. Like this defense isn't going to hold up. We have to score more points. That's been my philosophy since Patrick Mahomes stepped in the, in, in the door. Um, and so this was really like the first time that I sat back there and I was like. I'm fine with this. Like, I think, I don't think they can score a touchdown on us. I think we're fine here. So that's where I was going to ask is like, you actually weren't telling yourself that we needed to score more points on Sunday because that, I mean, that was me the whole game just sitting there like, God, man, they have got to get some points on the board here because it's 120 degrees on the field and the defense is going to wear down. And, you know, Chris Jones looks great, but, like, he's going to get gassed. It's going to happen. The, te- the I, I think I said at one point, like, the offense has to go score right now. I really wanted the touchdown. I think they had to take the field goal to go from 14 to 17. Um, and I just, I I was not yet that confident. And I don't, I, that's not to say that I have any worry about the defense. I am not, in, I mean, who could be concerned about them right now? But, I don't think that I was in a place of like the offense can just go out and score 17 points against a team like Jacksonville. And I'll be like, cool, the defense has it. I was not like that before the game. That grew as the game went on. Mm. Um, and, you know, I mean, a, a huge part of that is, you know, I've looking at this defense in different ways throughout the throughout this offseason and preseason, thinking at the beginning, like, well, Chris Jones will be here, you know, for week one and he'll be fine and everything. And then, that switching to, will we not have Chris Jones for eight weeks? Will Chris Jones come back and be a different kind of guy? Uh, will he be rusty? Will he fight off injury bugs? And Chris Jones pounded that door down, and within one week, that contract stuff already feels forever ago. We were worried about rust. He didn't look rusty at all. We were worried about playing time. He, I mean, he played 50% of the snaps, and he, he still dominated the game. Uh, like Chris Jones put a lot of that to rest, and this pass rush just has a chance to be absolutely ferocious. Like the the pass rush looked pretty good without Chris Jones, and then you added Chris Jones in, and now you, it just feels like you have pass rushers everywhere. Like like George is out there feasting. Felix has some stats out there about his pressure percentage. He hasn't played too much, but he's getting pressure when he's out there. Uh, Mike Dana still solid, and we still haven't added our boy Chucky O to the mix. And he, we're going to throw him in there as well. And and I think there's a secret weapon that's just waiting to be unleashed a little bit. I've seen a few people on Twitter hinting at it. 
Leo Chanel registering four pressures in this game out of eight pass rushing snaps. Leo Chanel is an absolute monster. And, and he's playing so well that I don't think they can keep him off the field for much longer. Like, I don't know if him in a two-linebacker base set is necessarily the spot for him, but he looks like such a good football player. Like, you have to get him on the field, and there's kind of a precedent here. I mean, I hate to compare him to Micah Parsons, but Micah Parsons was an off-ball linebacker that they were like, well, let's just try him at rusher and see what happens. And he turned into the best edge rusher in the NFL. Now, I'm not expecting that from Leo Chanel whatsoever, but Leo Chanel, there, there's just a precedence of doing that with a person, with a player, of his skill set, I guess. And he has all these high athletic testing scores. So I think they just have, they're going to find a way to start putting him on the field. And I think you'll start seeing him rush from the edge more and more as the season goes on. And that's just another, another pass rusher to throw in there. And we, and we know, sorry, to cut you off one more time, but we know what makes this team win Super Bowls. We know if they get a lot of sacks in a season, that's when this defense has thrived. That's when this team has won Super Bowls. Sorry. It's it's interesting to me like how quickly it seems like between year one and year two, we've seen George Karloftis take what feels like a leap. Um, and maybe it's not a leap. Maybe it's more of a hop. But uh, he certainly looks like he developed this offseason that the time with Tamba and his sensei uh, has paid off as far as the hand fighting stuff is concerned. Um, I I'll tell you, there was a play early in the game, kind of a snap throw from Trevor Lawrence that was just like thrown within a second out to the edge. And Karloftis just barely missed the timing to like bat the ball down or be in the throwing lane. And I was surprised that he didn't make the play. And it's just like this guy seems to really understand what his responsibility is. And he's getting to the right places and he's doing it quickly. And I tell you what, man, he he really seems to be developing as a rusher, having these different moves, these counters. And if you add that to the motor and you start to see him processing really quickly, I mean, dude, he's an exceptional pick to land in our lap you know, at 31 or whatever it was. And when you get to actually like couple that with Trent McDuffie, these two first round picks, man. Um, I mean, listen, folks, if, if you have been paying any attention to local coverage of the Kansas city chiefs this week, um, McDuffie has arrived. He has, he has arrived. Everyone wants to talk about Trent McDuffie and how his coverage is so tight and nobody can seem to get away from him. He's in their hip pocket. It doesn't matter what the route is. McDuffie is right there. Um, and it just gives me so much hope and hype looking at the growth potential of this defense. Um, man, and, 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 and God, just Chris Jones. Holy crap. Like, I, I did not know what to expect. But I'll tell you this. It, it wasn't that. I did not expect that from Chris Jones. Um, I also wasn't expecting that it was actually time for a break. So uh, just give us a moment. We'll come right back. And we're going to talk a little bit more of this Kansas City Chiefs defense that's been so impressive through two games. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. 
It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are you guys looking for a way to make a big impact in Kansas City? The Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City are partner for this year. They need sponsors for their sports teams and leagues. You can help local kids while promoting your business throughout the metro. Just email giving at helpkckids.org for more information. Do you find yourself coaching from the couch during the games? Consider coaching from the sidelines through volunteering with Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City. Learn more at helpkckids.org. Shout out to the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City. Um, His Dirkness... Couch coach extraordinaire. Chris Jones, despite only playing half the snaps, I still wonder, was he the best player on the field on Sunday? 69,000. <laughs> yes, no, he was absolutely the best player on the field on Sunday. On a field that included the two-time NFL MVP, a two-time Super Bowl MVP. It included the best tight end of all time. It included my pick for 2023 NFL MVP, which may look foolish and down the road, but Trevor Lawrence was my pick. Uh, this was after no training camp, no preseason games, walking into the facility six days prior to the game, only playing 50% of the snaps, and yet it's not even a debate in my mind that Chris Jones was the best player on the field. I mean, that's that's how good he was. His presence was felt immediately. Uh, he didn't get the sack on the play, but the first sack of the day was Chris Jones coming around the edge, pushing Lawrence right up into the middle, and I want to say 
Karloftis cleaned it up and got the sack on that one, but it was a couple guys that got in there, I think. Um, and the, he, he gets one and a half sacks on the day. Um, and there he is on the biggest play of the game, third and 10, or maybe not the biggest play, it would have been the next play, but third and 10 with the Jags at the 16 with four minutes left, down eight, chance to tie this game. Right where Chris jo Jones came through all 2022 long, the big play on third down, right when we needed a play, and there he was, sacking Trevor Lawrence, forcing a fumble, pushing him back into fourth and 13, making that more tougher, and then that was the last play of, of the Jags offense. So, I mean, Chris Jones blew me away. I mean, the, the biggest concern with all the contract stuff was, you know, maybe it maybe is slight, like, how's the locker room going to react to him? That turned out to be absolutely nothing. But then, like, is he going to be rusty? Is this going to lead to a potential injury? And it's just going to be like a lost season. Like, you just see it so many times with these guys that hold out. It just turns into a lost season for one reason or another. And yet, I feel like he put all of that to bed on Sunday with a dominant performance. It was staggering how well he played coming off the couch. And I mean, the, I, I'm not trying to disparage Chris Jones by saying that, but I mean, literally like this dude, my expectations were non-existent. It was just like, you know, we'll probably see Chris Jones maybe start to look like himself in week six, week seven, week eight. Um, even just getting the contract situation resolved as quickly as they did surprised me. But for him to show up and, I mean... Poor Anton Harrison. My goodness. Um, a player that it seems like uh, first round pick, you know, a lot of high hopes, although I think people were maybe uh, positioning him at left tackle coming in. He's playing right tackle and Chris Jones just ate his lunch, man. It was like every time they really wanted to play, they said, hey, uh, why don't you go ahead and take that beautiful looking matchup against the rookie? Um but he was getting pressures on the inside against guys like Brandon Scherf. Um, hobbled a little bit, sure. But like, it just made everything look so much easier for the defense, too, because of the attention that he gets. And, man, I, I, I tell you what. If you get this level of play from him throughout the year, I might rethink my stance on whether or not you give him more years on this team because I just wrote it off. I was just like, you know what? Like last year is the best you're ever going to see from him. He's probably going to be a little sloppy this year. He's probably going to be a little selfish this year. I think it's going to end up being a problem, you know, that, that may or may not prevent the Chiefs from reaching the heights that they want just because they've got this one, you know, kind of whatever thorn in their side with, with this, uh, negotiation that doesn't go well, whatever it is. And, and dude, Chris Jones, I, I just, I watched him on Sunday against these Jaguars and I'm like, um, so about that contract, man, uh, <laughs> you, do, do you want, do you want three years? You want four years? Like just, just keep him here because to, to not be in the football shape, I mean, that was such a, a big conversation, a big part of the conversation. Like, when is this guy going to actually be ready if he hasn't been at practice and he hasn't been in training camp? Um, pretty boss-level stuff from Chris Jones to just show up and and play like that. I think he exceeded everyone's expectations. Everyone's expectations. But with the contract stuff, it, it almost kind of reminds me, uh, we used to have a thing going with uh, off-season Dirk. 
and we'd look at different guys and you know you're just looking at a name on you know on on a website and then a number attached to that name and I hated Alex Smith in the offseason because I saw that number next to his name and I just didn't think he was quite worth that number uh, but then when the season started I liked Alex Smith because I loved how how he played the game I love how he left it all on the field um, I, I mean, I, I liked watching him as a quarterback. It was just in the off season. I could never get over that number that was attached to his name. So it was kind of two different things. You're looking at, you know, pure value here. And then you're looking at a football player here. Um, and Chris Jones reminded us all of that this Sunday. And it was, it was like, man, do you really want to pay this guy 30 million? You're looking at his age. Is he going to start trending downwards? And then it's just a stark reminder of, holy shit, this guy is fucking dominant. Um, I, I watched a lot of NFL games this, this weekend. I've got them as, as far as elite defenders go, I think it's him, Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa on the top level. Uh, and this is mostly just pass rushers, I guess, not, not factoring in secondary players. Uh, but I think those are the top three. I would put him at number two, I think behind Micah, but I think it's just incredible that he's at that level at this point. Um, and then I think you got some guys right behind them, like Garrett and, uh, um, JJ's brother. Why? Yeah. Uh, but I think he's just, I think he's on that top tier level now. Like I, I, I watched these other guys to see how they dominate and just comparing them. And I think Chris Jones just ranks up there with any of them. And he's the only one doing it, you know, on the interior. Like he, I guess he does a lot of it coming around the edge like that. Um, but most of these guys are doing it around the edge. All these other guys I think that I listed are all edge defenders. And yet Chris Jones can kind of just line up wherever and do it. Um, and it's, it's um, you know, I mean, obviously Aaron Donald did it before and J.J. Watt was kind of inside like that before. But I think he's almost on that level now. Like, I know those are all-time greats, but man, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid too high after playing a weak right tackle or something. But man, he looked so damn good. And it just brought back all these memories of him dominating last year. I, I could not be higher on Chris Jones right now. Well, and I mean, look, like, I'm sure that there are going to be weeks where Chris Jones doesn't look the way that he did against Jacksonville. It's entirely possible and almost pretty reasonable to assume. I'll tell you what, though, man, it really interesting point when you talk about like the offseason versus the end season on the feelings with Alex Smith. I mean, that, that's something we've talked about in the past where you see this big number and you're like, man, that just doesn't add up for me. That's not what I want to see. But then the game starts and you're like, whatever, he's, he's our guy. It's Alex. I'm going to cheer for him. And with Chris Jones, you don't want to see that disparity. And that's what the Chiefs were fighting for. Like, dude, we we have to have money to spread it around. And especially when you see the train coming down the tracks with all of these young players who are all good all at the same time. And that one draft class, how are they going to be able to pay all of those guys if they continue on this upward progression? You know, it's a scary thing to have to consider. And I, it's, it's, I, I look at it and I start to think, you know, it, it reminds me of a conversation that I have heard, and you'll have to forgive me. I don't know who to credit. Someone out there. Shout out. Um, shout out. Hearing people talk about like how the Chiefs have hardballed some guys in the last few years, whether it's a Tyron Matthew or an Orlando Brown, and saying like we've got a number and we're not going to go past it. And I think that's Tyree because what? Yeah, Tyree Kill, I guess. Um, I, I think it's because typically, and I say this, um, putting Tyreek Hill aside, I wasn't considering him in this part of the conversation, but the Chiefs don't want to pay 
like a B-level player, A-level money. They don't want to do it. They can't afford to do it when you have a guy like Mahomes on the roster and then you're going to have to start paying a bunch of other guys. And, and it's abundantly clear that Chris Jones is not a B-level player. And if he can give you that A game consistently, that A++ game consistently, I don't, I don't know that there is an amount. I mean, I don't want to give him the Bosa contract. He's too many years older to be able to guarantee that much money. I also don't want to see Chris Jones at like $34 million a season. Um, but I, I'm, I'm bordering on like, I would pay him Donald money. Yeah, um, and I'll tell you what I don't want. That's I don't a want lot more than I thought. I don't want to see him on another team. That's what I don't want to see. Like, I mean, we have to might, might just have to swallow this extra $5 million if he If that's what he wants, he's making a great case for it. I mean, so, I mean, what can you say? But losing him at this juncture just... Oh man, that would be a tough blow to blow to swallow. And that's that's a long ways off. But so he's here now, and he's he's yeah. he's looking good. Um, we got a we got a title here for the episode that I want to address. Uh, we got a we got a tiny little deep dive here into the question: Did the Chiefs just have the best defensive performance oh, of the Mahomes era? Let's do a little deep dive. Oh, all right. All right. Best defensive game of the Mahomes era. The Chiefs have held 11 different opponents to under 10 points since 2018, since Mahomes came in. Okay. Um, so this was the 11th game like that. The previous QBs that they've held under 10 points, Derek Carr, Drew Locke, Mitch Trubisky, Bronco Flacco, Jordan Love, start number one, Dak Prescott, Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, number two, Derek Carr, number three, Sam Darnold, and now Trevor Lawrence. Hmm. Those are the 11 quarterbacks. Uh, only three of these games were even within 10 points, so most of these were uh, blowouts. You didn't really get like big defensive stops from the defense kind of thing. So I'm kind of throwing those out. The three close ones were Dallas with Dak uh, and Green Bay um, with Jordan Love. I think these might have even been back-to-back games in the 2021 season. It was right after those Mahomes struggles. Uh, and the defense is really coming on. Um, and then this one, the Jacksonville game, obviously. Uh, it was the 10th fewest yards per play in the Mahomes era. It was the 11th best third down percentage. Um, they went 3 of 12. Uh, totals 4 sacks, only 1 turnover, but 2 fourth down stops. 3 of 12 on fourth downs, 0 of 3 in the red zone. So, I mean, if you're looking at this, I, with those quarterbacks, they're mostly terrible. Derek Carr's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I said it. Um, and then Dak Prescott and then Trevor Lawrence are pretty much the only ones worth anything. So I think you got to throw those in there. So I don't know if it's the best. I think it's neck and neck with that, uh, Dallas performance that won 13 to seven in that game, I think. Um, but I think this was definitely in the conversation in the very short list of the best defensive performances of the Mahomes era. I I wouldn't have thought to put it there, um, stepping away from the game, even though they only gave up the nine points. Um, but I mean, hearing the context, it yeah, uh, certainly sounds like you can you can make an argument. I I I got a a, a few little quick hitters before we uh, take another break because I know we are going to have to talk about this Kansas City Chiefs offense. Um, 
I got we got a shout out Derek and Dick inside. Um, you know, Derek Nani, a guy that I haven't really wanted on my team for the last two years, um, looks reinvigorated through two games. Um, Dick, old Matt Dickerson, big Dick Dickerson. <laughs> John Browning, apparently. <laughs> many um, people are saying. Many people. I I don't know. I don't know anything about this guy, but I've seen him. <laughs> Why well, I know one thing. You know one thing. <laughs> I I've seen him flash a couple times. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, you uh, and I mean, dude, then I, I I look at the defensive end rotation and and really all three of the main guys at defensive end looking sharp. The the linebacker core. In general, the speed is noticeable, man. Regardless of who's in the lineup, they can all get to the edge. Um, I was honestly kind of terrified going into the game of Travis Etienne. He's just like the type of running back that makes defenses work. And uh, yeah, nothing. Nothing from Etienne, really. Um, Defensive back Brian Cook continues to impress me. Justin Reed continues to see bad matchups. Uh, Definitely not the guy I want to see in one-on-one coverage on the boundary. That was rough. Um, I also think that it's really interesting that you, I saw you tweet about how Jalen Watson and, uh, Joshua Williams kind of back to splitting snaps. Uh, I had no idea, zero idea that Jalen Watson didn't play defense against Detroit. Only special team snaps. Uh, he only played about a third against Jacksonville, had a very memorable play, uh, kind of rooting for my guy. Uh, Jalen Watson out there pulling for him. I'm a huge Jalen Watson fan. I like him better than Josh Williams. No not disrespect to him, but I just I think Jalen Watson's done a lot of good things in his short time here. Uh, in that Detroit game, it was kind of weird. I I went back and looked at that uh, per your recommendation, and uh, they were kind of using the what's his name, Shimmy Chimichurri, Chimichanga, uh, Chimichanga Connor. They're using him as the uh, nickelback quite a bit in that game. I think it was kind of a matchup specific. We're gonna line this guy up in the slot and blitz him constantly. Yeah, uh, I think that was kind of like a one-off, I would say, in terms of how they went about that. But it was kind of weird to see that Joshua Williams had all those snaps from Jalen Watson. I, I fucking love Jalen Watson. I want him on the field all the time. This this is a problem in both the cornerback room and the linebacker room right now. Is that we have too many good players yeah. and we can't get them all on the field. Like our four linebackers are fantastic. The problem is you nobody plays four linebackers anymore. So I mean. You're trying to find these guys snaps and it just results in like a weird rotation. Like Drew Tranquil looks great. I want him out there on the field, but then you're taking Nick Bolton off or you're taking Willie Gay off. Uh, I want Leo Chanel on the field. He's, he's making plays. You're going to take one of those guys off or put him in a position like edge rusher. So it's just, it's wild. The depth that they have on this defense all of a sudden out of nowhere. Uh, and and it's all like from the last two years, it seems like. It's one of those good problems. Uh, let's take a break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. All right, folks, the show's back, and we're back with another week of football. And DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. 
Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and and deposit restrictions apply. Fumbled the bag there. Right there at the end. I fumbled the bag. That's all right. Can you start over from the beginning? (laughs) Can we take it from the top? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Uh, DraftKings, do it. Do it. Thanks for the money, DraftKings. Do it. Come on, do it. Um, it's it's time to talk about the offense, Dirk. Um, and and look, man, fun. I Pat Mahomes is largely immune from criticism locally, but if we're being truthful, I don't think that Patrick has played particularly well to start the season, at least on like the Mahomes scale. Uh, you guys have probably seen by now the stat from Shield Kapadia about how Mahomes has 96 starts. And the two starts this season ranked 92nd and 96th out of 96 starts uh, as far as success rate is concerned. The thing is, I guess me being me, I find it kind of exciting that the offense is going to grow throughout this year. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be peaks and valleys rather than like this consistent incline from week one up to the Super Bowl. But timing and trust are only going to improve as these guys play together more. With that being said, Dirk, it's been an uncharacteristic ride for Mahomes the first two weeks. Is there like a is is there a time in your mind where you think this is probably where they're going to figure it out? Or is it just eventually? Uh, Who do they play next week? Uh, it would be the Chicago Bears. I think there is a time that they will figure it out. I think it is next week against the Chicago Bears. Um, I mean, there's there's plenty of time for this offense to get on track. They play the Bears and the Jets the next two weeks. I know the Jets have a good defense. Um, I think there's some signs of the Jets that they might mail this season in. Um, so I don't know if that defense will be clicking on every level. They gave up at 30 at least to Dallas this week. Yeah. Um, so I, I think... I mean, it's tough for the Jets. They're gonna have they got some weeks of uh, figuring things out here. They've they had a lot of hype coming in, and they have been gut punched. So they're they're gonna be reeling here for a couple weeks. But I I expect the offense figured out over the next couple weeks. Um, and you know, people just kind of expect offense perfection from this team, which you know it's it's fun and and everything. But when the, and then when they don't meet that expectation, they think something is wrong. And and I get that. This is on the lower end of the spectrum of how they've looked. Um, but I also just completely trust them to figure it out. I mean, it's it's kind of eye-popping to see. Um, they had a they had a six-play stretch here in the second quarter. They went negative two-yard run, fumbled by Justin Watson, 
fumbled snap that Mahomes turned into a, a scramble, interception from Mahomes, then he gets sacked, then an illegal formation penalty. That was a six-play stretch in the second quarter, and that was when it was just, it was just like, man, what is going on? Um, so, I mean, I get it. They've, they've looked bad, um, but I, I just, I, I'm confident in them figuring, I just don't see this as being long-lasting. Um, you, the weird thing about that stretch, you know who snapped them out of it? Noah Gray turning a third and 14, breaking some tackles, and getting it to a fourth and two, so then they go for it, and then they throw the ball to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Like, those are the two people that snapped them out of their funk. Noah Gray and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which is pretty funny. Um, so, I mean, outside of that, the offense could have been shut out in the first half, which I was trying to find a stat on, but I couldn't find it in time for this show. The only time I remember that happening is the playoff game against the New England Patriots. Uh, when they turned around to score, well, they scored 31 in the second half or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, they looked horrible, but I don't know. I, I'm just not concerned about it. I'm not concerned. I wonder like how much of the uh, difficulty that they had on offense is that suddenly in week two, the game is being officiated differently than it has been uh, for the last few years, it sounds like. Um, I mean, if you listen to former NFL offensive linemen, they've been like, I don't really see anything wrong with what uh, you know guy in the offensive line fraternity is doing. Uh, in reference to Jawan Taylor, but it, I mean, honestly, man, I've heard about a dozen different podcasts and radio shows lead off with like, is Jawan Taylor being penalized simply because he plays in Kansas City now? And I think that there's potentially a step up in eyeballs on the Chiefs uh, from, you know, the Jags of the last four years, let's say. Um, but according to Adam Teicher, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith are number one and number two in penalties since Taylor entered the year or entered the league four years ago. Those guys are number one and number two in penalties. Um, he didn't really give any context, like what types of penalties they get or situationally or whatever. He didn't even say where the stat came from. He just said that this is what it is. Shout so someone. I don't know uh, what to make of that, but I tell you what, man, when, when I watch Donovan Smith and when I watch Jawan Taylor, I'm pretty excited with the way that they're playing. And ultimately, I think that really, to me, the only negative plays that Jawan Taylor had were plays where he was called for a penalty. And three of those penalties weren't whistles last week. Literally, last week weren't whistles. The illegal formation, they said he wasn't lined up correctly and he was in the same spot that he was basically every snap on Sunday. Um, and then the false starts, they're saying that he's moving before the snap. It's an emphasis. The NFL said, we are going to fix this this week. And Jawan Taylor was literally on the video that all the referees watched. And it just seemed like the officials were standing over his shoulder waiting for him to do anything. And you know what negative plays do, man. I mean, even an offense like the Chiefs, unless you're talking about maybe like the 2018 Chiefs, but, you know, they're no longer totally, completely immune to like third and 15 the way that they used to be. But man, I it just feels like every time that maybe they were going to be in position to, to start getting rolling, there would be a penalty. 
or there were three different turnovers in the first half. I mean, they only handed the ball off twice in the first half, right? And they had seven penalties. The disparity between the two teams, as far as all the laundry on the field, was uh, tough to stomach. And I don't know if they're going to continue to call a game that way. I mean, Andy Reid said, like, Jawan's going to figure it out. It's fine. Um, I was really surprised that Andy didn't maybe say, like, it's a pretty stark difference in, you know, from week one to week two. But I mean, he, Mitch Schwartz said that it was unprecedented for the Chiefs to pull Juwan Taylor off the field in the middle of a drive because of the way that he's being officiated. And he gets right back out there. And But it was just, it was a really strange experience on Sunday watching that offense continually shoot themselves in the foot. And some of the stuff felt like it was a little bit out of their control. I mean, yeah, it's, it's different mistakes that are just piling up. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lack of aggression because I think they did trust the defense. Um, sure. One of those false starts, I think, was a legit false start. The other one was one that I don't think should have been called. Um, what was the pl- when did he get pulled? Was it after one of the holdings? I believe he got like a holding, both holdings back to back. Maybe it, yeah. he had been penalized twice on the drive, and it was in the third quarter. I think they were pretty close to each other. And I know Donovan Smith's big deal last year was penalties. And really, I mean, this is playing out before our eyes. It's, it's This passes the eye test because I feel like they're doing their jobs as offensive linemen, but they're just racking up penalties. Like, both of them are racking up penalties. Um, so, it, I mean, it's kind of like like a cornerback, like a really physical cornerback that's like, he's playing good, but like if you're playing with refs that are going to be calling illegal contact down the field, like, you know, Rashad Fenton's kind of the first one that comes to mind. I'm sure there are better examples out there, but Rashad Fenton was a good player. Like, he could cover well, but he could not stop himself from grabbing. Now, if you get the right ref crew, he's going to he's gonna play well because he's he's going to be in good position to make plays. But if you get the wrong ref crew, they're just going to flag him five times a game, and you're going to have to pull him out, and you're going to have to figure something else out because he doesn't know another way. Like, that's that's how he does it. Like, the both tackles kind of remind me of that, especially Donovan Smith, I would say. Because Donovan has done his job so far, but he's just gotten, you know, at least one holding call each week, I would say. Uh, he might have had a couple this week. Not totally sure. Nick Nick might be able to help us out on that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm fine with them. I think they'll figure that out. I mean, maybe penalties turn into a thing. Uh, but yeah, it, it is definitely mistakes piling up for this offense right now, which is another reason to feel confident because I don't think that will last. I think it's just early season things that, you know, the Chiefs usually have ironed out, but there's just too many new bodies and they didn't have Kelsey in there for week one. And he was probably a bit limited this week. And I just think you're seeing also a new offensive line in there. I mean, last year they had Orlando Brown was left over from the year before. Andrew Wiley had been there a handful of years. Like there's just a lot of new bodies all at once. And it's taken a little bit, but it they'll be fine. They'll be fine. You know, one of the many, 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 many penalties against the Chiefs offense uh, was thrown on Travis Kelsey, who finally uh, returned to the field uh, after the knee hyperextension just before the Lions game. Uh, got to see Travis Kelsey in a Chiefs uniform for the first time in 2023. And, Girk, he went full B enemy. All right? Like, <laughs> hey. like Travis Kelsey... 
we were wondering, you know, one of those those preseason questions is like, are the Chiefs going to kind of feel the loss of Eric Bieniemy? Who's going to step up and like ride everybody the way that Bieniemy did? Who's going to bring the edge on offense? And and I think that we both kind of settled on like it's probably Mahomes and Kelsey. Like I don't think that Matt Nagy's going to suddenly coach that way. But these guys that have been coached by him are going to try to uphold those standards. And Travis was just having none of it on Sunday. Um, I I even saw the actual time that he got penalized was like unnecessary roughness or something. And all that the broadcast showed was him like unsnapping his chin strap and just kind of like being mad. I didn't even see what he did. Did you ever see what happened on that play that was I, unnecessary? I never saw it. I saw somebody say he didn't have, they showed him at one point and he didn't have his helmet on. So I'm guessing he did uh, that and then like spiked his helmet on the field is my only guess. It mm-hmm. couldn't be just for unsapping his helmet. Um, but it was kind of a weird day for Travis Kelsey. He looked a bit testy. And this hasn't just been like this game. It was also the like the weird fights and training camp too. It was just kind of... And then Travis Kelsey coming out here in like the 80s cocaine lord outfit to go to the game. Travis Kelsey might be feeling himself a little bit. He might be feeling himself a little bit. Um, and and one of those reasons, I, I just want to say, we're going to start a new uh, back page report. We're going to call it the back door report. Uh, we've got a sideline reporter named Kiki who's helping us out with keeping us updated on Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift rumors. Um, and so this week's backdoor report from our special reporter Kiki is that Taylor Swift was wearing a necklace with Travis Kelsey's birthstone in it. Um, so another piece of the puzzle there. Um, is this having an effect on Travis Kelsey this year? Um, one of the one of the funner storylines to follow. Um, this this has kind of got legs, man. It's kind of spreading. Uh, do you think they're really dating? You think they're dating? Are they spreading some legs? Um, <laughs> And is this affecting, is this where the attitude's coming from? Is this the Taylor Swift attitude? I mean, can I just say that, like, I feel left out. (laughs) I don't, I don't really know anything about Taylor Swift other than, like, she makes concept albums based on ex-boyfriends or something. I can't wait for this one. I can't wait for him to break up. It's going to be awesome. Um, I, I, I only know the name of one of her songs. Bad blood. Um, uh, no, I I was thinking "Shake It Off" is like the only one that I really know. Um, he's not shaking only, it off. He did not shake it off on. He did not shake anything off. Um, I I want to. I love a pun, and I want to be able to make Taylor Swift puns, but I don't know any. So if there's a Google machine right there, it's it's in your hands. You have a Google machine. It takes two seconds. Yay! But then I'm just making these hollow puns that I don't actually know the content. That's the what context. all of mine are, man. Do you think I'm not Googling these references that I make? Trying to fit in. Um, <laughs> if if you can get Kiki and I, like, give us some time together so that I can learn some of this, or if maybe our sideline reporter Kiki could, like, make an appearance on the show at some point. We're working, on, it's working out the details. That'd be great. That would okay. be great for me. Um, I, I will say this. Uh, I've gone pretty hard anti-Chiefs running backs so far, uh, kind of leading up to, let's just say, this show, this moment right here, 8.50 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I don't know if it's like a full 180. It might be more like a like a 75 
degree turn. Uh, 270. But when I saw Isaiah Pacheco go from one carry in the first half to 12 for 70, uh, one being like 35 yards. Which um, was like the first carry of the second half, wasn't it? Kind of set it yeah. out a little bit. Uh, I I just, Dirk, stop me if you've heard this one. I think Andy should run the ball. I, I think Andy should run the ball. That's, and that's what I, that was my solution. I I said throw three tight ends out there and start running the ball and don't do that stupid fucking so- shotgun sideways run shit. I I cannot get the I will never understand that play. They're so obsessed with like and they they ran like would you say two handoffs in the first half? I think they were both that same play and they just went absolutely nowhere. Um, but yeah, it, it, Pacheco looked good in the second half. You you want to run the ball more? I I think it's a great idea. That's what they did last year to solve a lot of these two high problems that they were facing was come out and have the ability to run the ball. Um, and so maybe they started figuring some things out in that second half with uh, more yards there, but that that's a crucial component of this offense last year. I just, I mean, look, if, if we are being honest with ourselves about the way that teams are treating running backs right now, um, the best years and really potentially even the only years of Pacheco being useful are like, Right now, we've got a short window with this guy to make that. I mean, he's already really been worth the seventh round pick just based on how he played last year. But like, just ride him a little bit more as you're trying to develop some of these receivers. Um, it, it really helps the offensive line get into a rhythm. It helps the team gain confidence. And ultimately, I think it sets them up to be more successful as they become more balanced. Um, and ultimately maybe can help them in some of these short yardage situations. If you really get Pacheco grinding people out, um, I, I think these are all good things. I I do think it's important, though, to look at the receivers a little bit because the snap counts changed. Did you want to say something else on the running backs first? One, Yeah, one last thing, uh, just something to keep an eye on. Uh, Orlando Brown last year gave up a lot of pressures. Um, that's well documented, but I think he was one of the better run-blocking Offensive lineman out there graded very well in the run game, and Jawan Taylor was dead last in run blocking per PFF last year. Um, so I know they're kind of, they're on opposite sides, left tackle, right tackle, but just something to keep an eye on that the offensive line may skew even more to the pass this year than they did last year. It's possible. Um, we we've talked a little bit, especially last week, about this kind of this idea of like the young receivers versus the old receivers. Like what's the best decision for the team in terms of who gets these snaps? I mean, last week you suggest that they need to maybe focus on like four guys, five guys, not seven. Um, I and, and it, what do we and what do we call this? We will be calling this not the Cheesecake Factory, the Chiefs Cake Factory. Because the menu is so big at receiver. Well, and I keep I keep seeing people like screenshot the box score where like Mahomes spreads it out to eleven different guys, and people are saying like this might really be too many cooks in the kitchen. Just like that, Donovan Smith with a target. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wish he actually, would actually listed with a target on ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> I wish he would have known that if he would have just caught it and and moved, right? Then they have to accept the penalty. But instead, oh, he thinks, if he goes, if he picks the first down, then they have to accept the penalty. Uh, oh man! And he was like two yards away from it. He had it easily. Yeah, yeah he could have. Um, 
I I do think that you have to play the young guys. I was I was boy, I was wrong about Rasheed Rice and what he might do on Sunday. Um, well, let's just give a quick stock report because I got these here. Sure. MVS and Justin Watson's snaps went up. Uh, Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice's went down. Uh, Richie James's went way down. Um, he was basically left off. Uh, and Tony and Ross stayed about the same. Tony's at twenty five percent. Ross is like ten percent more or less. Um, but I mean, what does that tell you? Number one, for me, it's that they wanted guys that they could trust. They went to their two most trusted guys, who is MVS and Justin Watson, and they upped their snaps. Um, and that, so that's what that told me from just looking at purely snaps from week one to week two. I I don't like it. I don't like it. It's it's not what I think is best for the team uh, this season or into the future. I don't think that playing more Justin Washington and more MVS is the best thing. Uh, but the Mahomes feels more comfortable throwing them the ball. I I mean, I get it. Like, I get it. I just disagree with it. It's like, dude, take your lumps, man. Like, we can afford it. These guys, we got to figure out what we have. I need to see them on the field. You need to see them on the field. They have to develop. They can't get better if they're not playing. Um, My counter to that would be that they saw this this game as a very important game. That's fair. With games on the upcoming schedule that they can start playing around with. Now, I don't know if this will play out necessarily because I do think this will be kind of an ongoing thing where we're like, man, Justin Watson got this many snaps again. Um, and we kind of keep looking at Rasheed Rice not getting that many snaps. I, I do think that will be an ongoing thing. Although I do think there's an argument to be made that they needed guys out there they could trust for this game because otherwise you're pulling two and a half games behind the Jags and sitting in an 0-2 hole, and that's not where you want to be. So I think they saw this a very important game, whereas the Bears game is a much more likely, let's get Rasheed Rice and see see what he can do out there now. Well, you know, just a couple things to keep in mind, at least as far as some of these upcoming opponents are concerned. I'm sure people have seen how poor the records are uh, for every team in between uh, this Sunday and Week 9, I think, when they uh, face off with Miami. Um Chicago, the Jets, the Vikings, the Broncos, twice, and the Chargers, uh, many of them 0-2. It looks like a fun stretch, potentially, for the Chiefs uh, of the next, basically, six games. Now, something to keep in mind specifically for Sunday. I asked you, like, when is the offense maybe going to turn it around? Do you have a specific week in mind? And you're like, yeah, Sunday against the Bears. Um, Here's here's a little, uh, little, little tasty treat, little appetizer for you guys. Uh, Jordan Love against the Bears in week one, only on third down, eight of 10, 140 yards, two touchdowns, a perfect passer rating. I mean, this is a guy that I think a lot of people entered the season with questions about and an offense that we didn't really know what to expect, uh, officially stepping away from Aaron Rodgers, and they just absolutely light the Bears up. My understanding is that the Bears are allowing like 80% completions through two weeks on third down, they're just getting absolutely demoralized, uh, which is fun. That's fun for me, knowing that we are playing that team on Sunday. Um, Let's play name Bears defenders. How many Bears defenders can you name? Jaquan Brisker. Damn it. Do they have <laughs> Roquan Smith? No, they traded him to the Ravens. Shit. I'm, uh, I'm, that's signed, a quick exit for me. They signed uh, that linebacker. Tommy Harris? Uh, they lied. <laughs> <laughs> Lance Briggs. It's been a while. It's been a while for those guys. Amos uh, at safety, the guy from Green Bay. Amos. Oh, I don't know if he's. No, nah, I don't know. 
you're just, it, I mean, it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's hard out here for Bears fans. Dick Butkus. Uh, I'll be very interested to see uh, just quick little Bears nugget. I think through two games, they're saying that uh, Justin Fields only has two designed runs, and he was averaging like nine or ten a game when he was doing well fantasy-wise down the stretch last year. Um, and I think the Bears were playing their best football but still losing. Um, and so if they have to figure out like a spy on him, if the Bears suddenly go back to running it a little bit more, I mean, he's certainly a dangerous player. Uh, he, that, that would be interesting test for the defense. Uh, although they're still just really, really bad offensively. Um, can I just real quick before we get out of here, Kadarius Tony kind of has his, uh, I would, would you call it a redemption? I don't know. He caught the ball. So that would hurt me. Um, <laughs> it's a step in the right direction after, after that putrid performance against the lions. Um, I'm listening to the Mina Kimes podcast. It's one of my favorite shows out there. And she's got a uh, former ringer guy, current now uh, ESPN employee, Kevin Clark, on the show. Uh, two excellent sports people. And Great Kevin, Clark, Kevin Clark, Giants fan, worth worth noting. Is he? Uh, I believe so, yes. If not Giants, Jets, but I believe he's a Giants fan. Um, he called our boy Rigatoni Kadarius the Zach Wilson of wide receivers. Yikes. Maybe he's a Jets fan. Um, I felt a little defensive when I heard it. I was like, oh, that's harsh, but also hilarious. <laughs> it's, you just don't, you don't know what you're going to get. But have you seen the highs from Zach? Yeah, I don't I don't really get it. I mean, I get the lows, I guess, but where's the highs? Canarius Tony balled out last year, uh, makes some plays in the Super Bowl. I don't. I don't think Zach will. Well, Zach Wilson has made a few clutch plays. Most of them involve his mom's friends. Mm. Um, or is it, his friend, is it his friend's moms? <laughs> or is it his mom's friends? That's, that's, I'm not sure which one's better. I actually, they, it's both. <laughs> I think it's both. I'm not sure. Um, before and pull up the Barrett roster here. They got TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edwards at linebacker. They're brothers, aren't they? I actually, I don't think that they are. Oh, I thought there was Edwards brothers, weren't there? No, it's, isn't it Edmunds and Edwards? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't be brothers. You can't be related like that. I, I didn't read it. That's not. <laughs> um, uh, do, do we need to talk about Creed Humphrey not being able to hit the broad side of a barn with a shotgun snap? <laughs> I don't understand. It's low every time. Get it up, Creed. <laughs> Did they cut us off? Did they <laughs> just you got me there? You got me there. Get it up, Creed. Did it to me. Um, folks, this has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott All. He's his darkness. The Chiefs and the Bears are playing on Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us live. After the Chiefs win uh, against the Bears on Sunday, we will see you next Tuesday. Folks. Hey, thanks. Thanks for all those comments. Glad we could answer all of them. Uh oh, and wait. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. And Justin Herbert is Philip Rivers. I thought, I don't know why you don't like it. I do like it. Okay. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. 
My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.